0: Good morning. My name is Adam and I am the vicar here at St. Paul's. It's really good to be with you this morning, whether you're in the room or whether you are at home. I have to remember that's home for the 10.30 and that's home for the nine o'clock, which is... much for my small brain but I will try and be with you. I'm sorry about that. Uh, It's fantastic to have so many people in the room with such a broad age range. We've got got little twins over here who are less than a year old. They're doing fantastically well. First time in church since lockdown has ended and we've got all the way up to Dale who's one of the eldest people in church this morning which is fantastic. Thanks for joining us. Have you had your jabs yet? tomorrow. Dale is having his jab tomorrow, so that's fantastic. Uh, Must not insult him because he'll have the microphone again soon. So let's get on with this morning's sermon. And as Dale said, we're starting a new sermon series today, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Um, For those of you who don't know, the Sermon on the Mount is some teaching that Jesus gave to his disciples near the beginning of his ministry. And we find it in what's called the Gospel of Matthew, the Good News of Matthew. One of Jesus' disciples, called? Thank you Alec. Um, Matthew uh, wrote down the story of Jesus as he remembered it and as the people around him remembered it and it's in the Bible for us and the Sermon on the Mount is one of the biggest and most important teachings we have of Jesus of what the kingdom of God is like. So as Dale has said, it would be great if you can join us on our Bible reading plan from tomorrow morning. Each week, there'll be a new Bible reading plan starting at chapter one of Matthew tomorrow and working through to the end of the book. And it just it's really good to read through the whole book to put in context the Sermon on the Mount, to know what else Matthew wrote about Jesus' life and what else he did. So I'd encourage you to do that. But this morning, we're making a start on the, on the Sermon on the Mount with the Beatitudes. I loved that B thing. That was brilliant, wasn't it? Kind of, I've, I, I like an original idea and the internet's full of them. Um, uh, but yeah, those B attitudes. I was once, for a very short period, part of a band called the Beatitudes. Did you get, did you get the Beatitudes? No? Okay. Caroline, can we, can we not invite a congregation next week because they're not finding my jokes very... F- no, it's all right. It's my fault, not yours. Um, but we're looking at the Beatitudes, these statements of Jesus, which put in context all the teaching that goes ahead of it. So this morning, I want to put in context the whole sermon series we're going to be hearing for the next few weeks. And our big idea is this, that the kingdom of God is not normal it's an upside down kingdom. The kingdom of God is not normal, it's an upside down kingdom. This is what Jesus is trying to tell us through these beatitudes. This is what Matthew's trying to tell us with this teaching of Jesus put all together, that God's kingdom isn't like any other kingdom, it's an upside down kingdom. And As we think about this, we almost need to try and forget, for those of us who've heard it before, any of these beatitudes. We need to go back to what it must have been like to hear them for the first time when Jesus first announced this upside-down kingdom. Because the Israelites had been expecting a Messiah to come, and they'd been expecting a Messiah to come and lead them, into a new kingdom, into a new victory. And it would be a kingdom like no kingdom they'd ever had before because it would last forever and they would be reign supreme. So when Jesus comes and they're thinking, is this the Messiah? Is he going to bring in the new kingdom? He stands up and he teaches and he says these things. Blessed are the poor for theirs is the kingdom of God. Could you imagine hearing that for the first time? Because I don't wish to be patronising to anyone who is poor, but I'm not sure that they always consider themselves blessed. Just so you know, if you have any spare change in your pocket, if you're blessed enough to live in a house that you own, or if you have a car, then you are rich, as in by the world's standards. Most of us in Kingston are rich by the world's standards. But Jesus says, blessed are the poor. Then he moves on to say, blessed are those who mourn. It doesn't feel very blessed to grieve the loss of someone close to you. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. I don't know if you've ever been on any leadership training, if your company or your, or your business have ever told you how to get ahead in life, if you've ever read any of those books in the massive self-help sections of the, of the bookstores. I haven't read all of them, but I've never yet read one that says, be meeker, be milder that's how you'll get on in your career that's how you will inherit the earth blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness blessed are those who are merciful blessed are those who are pure in spirit blessed are the peacemakers these are all things that actually aren't the way you build Kingdoms on earth. The Romans had not built the greatest empire ever seen on the face of the planet that the Jewish people were living a part of at this time by being peacemakers. They hadn't arrived and said, Come on, guys, let's all be friends. They hadn't arrived meekly and humbly. They hadn't been merciful whether it's the kingdoms of this earth, like the Roman Empire, the British Empire, or it's the kingdoms of this world that we live in every day, our schools, our employment, places of employment. These are not normally built on these principles that Jesus is talking about. The kingdom of God is different to the kingdoms that we live in, whether that is our country, the organization that we work for, or the school that we go to. God's kingdom is for the last, the least, and the lost. And if we want to know whether God's kingdom is coming, then we just need to look at how many of these things are taking place. Are the poor blessed? Are the mourning comforted? Are the meek successful? Are those who hunger for righteousness filled? Are the merciful shown mercy? As part of the Sermon on the Mount, we'll be looking at the Lord's Prayer, the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And in that we say, your kingdom come and your will be done. If we want to see God's kingdom come and his will be done, it will look not like what we expect, not like what we're used to, but it will look more like this so the reason that I felt it would be a good time now for us to look at the Sermon on the Mount is there's been a lot of talk coming out of the pandemic about what the new normal is going to be like are we going to start working in different ways are we going to start traveling in different ways is it going to be a more ecologically sound way in which we come out And I hope that that is true. But I also want us to think about our own lives individually and think what might be different for me as a Christian as I rebuild my life going out of the pandemic. We have an opportunity now, don't we? To decide what is important to us, what is important to Jesus, what is important to the kingdom And to put those things first. So we're going to be going through the Sermon on the Mount, looking at the different things that are in there. And I have to warn you, this is known and has been known for many hundreds of years as some of the most challenging and difficult and radical teaching. Not just in the Bible, but through all human history. It's not easy stuff because it's not what we're used to. It's not normal. It's an upside down kingdom. And there are a number of ways in which we might react to the Sermon on the Mount as we go through it over the next 12 weeks. The first one of those is, I think some of us sometimes might react with pride. When Jesus says, uh, we, we might say, when Jesus says, blessed are um, the meek, for they will inherit earth, we might say, that's me, I'm meek. Dale, is there something that's amusing you? See me later. But we might say, might we? I'm just teasing this as an example, we might say, I, we, 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 there's lots of things that Jesus will teach about And we might find one who'll go, yes, that's me. And everybody should know that's me. And I'm doing well at that, and that's good. And the danger with that is that we then start looking at other people and going, well, I'm meek. But is Dale Kirk meek? He's not doing so well, is he? He thinks it's funny. And the danger is with the pride and the self-righteousness is that we compare ourselves with other people and we put other people down. And that was not Jesus' intention in teaching the Sermon on the Mount. There were plenty of Pharisees and teachers of the law who were around in Jesus' day who were all too keen to stand up and say, look at me. Look how good I am compared to you. And that is not what Jesus was doing with the Sermon on the Mount. And that's not what he wants us to do. So we need to avoid self-righteousness and pride. The second thing that we need to avoid is the flip side of this, isn't it? It would be like Dale looking at me and thinking, oh, I'm just not as meek as Adam is. For, the, for those of you who can't see him, which is mostly people other, other than me, because he's just right sat in front of me. Dale is almost crying with laughter at this point. Whether he'll be able to carry on the service after this or not, I don't know. But And the thing is, we ourselves, again, can compare ourselves to other people and we can start to feel condemnation. And we can put this upon ourselves. And we think, that I, I could never do this. I could never live up to this. Therefore, we end up feeling bad about ourselves and thinking, wondering if we, in fact, are Christians. And that, too, was not Jesus' intention with the Sermon on the Mount. The third thing we might feel is a passivity. There's so much in there. There's so many um, things that are good ways for us to live in the kingdom of God. We might end up thinking, I just couldn't do all of those. So I'm just not going to bother. We might try to do one one day and then feel that we just couldn't, can't, and we failed. At which point we might give up. And again, Jesus doesn't want us to feel overloaded. Jesus says in Matthew's gospel, read it, join us on the Bible plan. Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus' intention here is not to put a heavy burden onto us. It is not that we would feel overwhelmed and just like we couldn't do anything. Those are three reactions that we might feel, which I think it's easy to feel, but weren't Jesus' intention and are hopefully not going to happen to us over the next few weeks. Pride, condemnation and passivity. Because the way I want us to approach the Sermon on the Mount is with humility. Of knowing and acknowledging that the world isn't the way that God intended it to be, that we are not the way that God intended us to be, but knowing that Jesus came so that we can be changed and transformed. When we read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus wants us to know how good God's kingdom is. He wants us to long for God's kingdom, to desire God's kingdom. And He wants us to know that we can see more and more of that as we come to Him. Because Jesus inaugurated God's kingdom in His resurrection. Jesus inaugurated God's upside down kingdom by coming not as a Messiah who would win a great battle on the battlefields of Cana, but he came as a king who would die on a cross. And then the most upside down thing, even more upside down than dying on the cross, the dead Come to life. The biggest, the greatest sign of God's upside down kingdom is the resurrection of Jesus. And it's to that death and that resurrection that we look and we come as we read the Sermon on the Mount. Because it's there that we will find all that we need to start being able to pray, God, your kingdom come and your will be done in my life, in the life of our church, in the life of our town, our city and our nation. It might seem sometimes that the transformation that God is calling for in the Sermon on the Mount is impossible. But when we feel like that, we need to look to Jesus to remember what he did on the cross, to remember his resurrection and to know that all things are possible with him. This morning's big idea was this, that the kingdom of God is not normal. It is an upside down kingdom. These Beatitudes speak of that topsy turvy kingdom. And as we go through the Sermon on the Mount in the next few months, we're going to see the ways in which God calls us to pray for His kingdom to come and His will to be done. Let's approach it with excitement. Let's approach it with anticipation. But let's also approach it with humility. Amen.